Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We shouldn't understate this. The humanitarian crisis that Europe is feeling with this flow of refugees, the biggest refugee exodus since the Second World War, is being felt in every single European country and it is a discussion in every single European family at the moment. I thought that was interesting. We're not feeling it here in the United States, obviously, but as Caddy Cave said there on NBC, obviously you can tell by her voice, she's closely tied into Europe on a variety of levels, every family in Europe is discussing the hardship financially and in many cases um, uh, disruption of their life because so many people are taking in refugees or, or their, their schools are or their churches are or their hospitals or whatever. And then, you know, the cost with the complete disruption of the way they've structured energy over many decades. Terrible mistake in retrospect. But it's, you know, is what it is. They they had built a structure in which Russia was, as Ian Bremmer said, the superpower when it came to energy. And, mm-hmm. and to all of a sudden that goes away, that's very disruptive and expensive. Boy, you combine that with, uh, you know, during the Obama administration where Obama and uh, was it Leon Panetta? Uh, his sec def. um Yeah, Leon Panetta. They decided to pivot away from the we've got to be ready to fight two wars on two different fronts policy that had been our policy forever and said, no, come on, the Cold War's over. What what enemy are we going to fight? We don't have any enemies. Peace is permanent. We're going to strip down the military. And so we and a lot of the European countries just got fat and lazy and assumed we would never need a military again, even though from the dawn of man, the greatest way to, to get into a war is to have a weak military. It's just the, the, the naivete, the, the call it, I don't know, well, naivete. It's just an idiotic optimism. It's ignoring all of human history. And you got a malign actor like Russia. Yeah, it's a totalitarian dictatorship and, and the rest of it. Yeah, they've had genocidal wars and stuff. But boy, golly, they got some good, cheap natural gas. Let's go ahead and get in bed with them. They're not our enemy anymore. Just, it's unbelievable how foolish humans can be. So Biden is in Europe meeting with other NATO leaders in Belgium. Is that where they're meeting? And then uh, Biden's going to go to Poland briefly to tip his cap to the unbelievable sacrifice the Polish people are making in taking in all these refugees and and, and helping out. Um, Well, and they're all probably poverty stricken at this point. I mean... Do they even have access to their bank accounts at this No, no, no. Juncture? Man, I, I was watching some reports on this yesterday. It's it's hard to even imagine what this would be like. So, uh, even if you're not a refugee, even if you're still in Ukraine, you're not going to work. Nobody's going to work. Nothing is functioning. And this has been a month. Where, where do you get something to eat every single day? Where Where do you... You know, your your milk has expired. Your your everything in your fridge is gone. So where where are you coming up with that sort of stuff? How, where are you getting gas for your car? How, how how do you even? I can't even imagine how you look at the day when you get up every single day. That's if you're well, not increasingly being, you're you're looking at it like where the hell am I going to get something to eat or some running water? Yeah, because you'd have to be dealing with your most immediate needs just to stay alive. And then the same with all the refugees who have left the country and have no access to any money and no ex. No, am I ever going to get to go back? Am I going back? In a week, in a month, in two years, or am I never going back? 
Do I need to figure out how I'm going to live here in Poland or Romania or wherever I am with me and my kids and no and no husband here to help out? I just can't even imagine. It's, whoa. Well, and it goes beyond that even. You have a $300 a month car payment. Well, your car is a cinder at this point. The, the, the car shop or whatever doesn't exist anymore. Does your loan exist or not? You owe it to somebody. Call a bank. The bank doesn't exist. Yeah. How long will it take for all that stuff to shake out, even if the war ended today? And it's the most consequential NATO meeting in its history, which is really saying something, because NATO's been around for a very long time, and there have been a lot of dust-ups around the world. But the reason this is the biggest is because nuclear war is clearly on the table. Um, There's no doubt about that. And uh, President Zelensky is going to address the body, and how far is he going to go in terms of his pushing... NATO to do more? I don't know. Uh, he seems to have backed off. Not seems to. He stated that they're, they, that they're backing off their desire to be a member of NATO. But he's got a really good argument. You know, one of the reasons that they NATO has been saying that Ukraine couldn't be part of uh, NATO is, well, you're not a functioning democracy. Turkey is in NATO. Oh, boy. Is the argument from Zelensky. You don't have a uh, functioning military. We're whooping the Russians' asses compared to some of these other pissant little countries and their military. You're telling us we don't have a functioning military and we're not a functioning democracy. I mean, pretty hard to make the argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I realize the realities of trying to boot Turkey out at this point and all that sort of stuff, but you're going to, what, what, what? Yeah, we were talking earlier about how astonishingly weak the German military is at this point. I mean, that's that's the big dog of Europe, and they've because of the whole Nazi thing, they've just not really wanted a military. That's one of the best yada yada yadas of all time, because of the whole Nazi thing. Well, I think people are more or less familiar with it. <laughs> Germany thought, uh, yeah, every time we like build up our military, people start looking at us funny. I wonder why well, that is. Yeah, the world said that after. launching three giant wars in a 75-year period. Um, So we'll see what comes out of that meeting today. And I think the poll that's out with uh, close to 60% of Americans saying President Biden hasn't been tough enough on Russia, Hmm. I I think that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how they react to that. Hey, speaking of interesting, you brought something up earlier, and I'd love to hear more about it if you have it. The question of whether NATO should make public what its tripwires or red lines are, or whether they're better off trying to keep Putin guessing. Yeah, there's a good piece in the Washington Post about that today. And, you know, there's no right answer to this stuff, I suppose. It's a guess, but I'm sure that's one of the things they've got to be discussing. One, not only do they need to come up with a red line, so we're going to go to war. We're going to start World War Three if they use nukes or just kind of like pretend it didn't happen. They've got to have that discussion. And, then, and if they come to the conclusion, yeah, if he uses nukes, we've got to we've got to get involved. Do you tell Putin that or not? Are you better off holding that back? What an interesting what are you bringing a bunch of psychologists or how do you determine whether or not that's a good idea? Well, it's always a guess to a lesser or greater extent. And and in this case, it's a guess. It's a I, real guess. Uh, Fox had some good polling on this yesterday. Uh, let me dig that up because uh, some of the numbers were extraordinary on people's attitudes about um, where things are. Let me find that real quick. Oh, the fact that you can't get potassium iodine anywhere in Europe right now, that's how worried people are. 
about nuclear war. That's that's something you take if you get exposed to radiation, and uh, it's they're they're out of it all over the place um, in Europe right now. Eighty five percent of Americans say what happens in Ukraine matters to the United States. Wow, and uh, those numbers are still very high of people paying attention. Because I was about to say, if you if you're like think this story is not worth paying attention to, overblown, whatever, there's there is a, a real good chance that something horrible by all world standards happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, doesn't it seem like we're really coming to an inflection point? Because is put put Putin's got to be thinking with his ship. You know, on fire today, assuming he gets that information and they're not just hiding it from him. Um, if the NATO put out numbers yesterday, it says 15,000 Russian soldiers have died in one month. 15,000. More than they lost in the debacle of Afghanistan in a decade. And that's considered one of the great blunders of history, losing 15,000 people in a decade. They've lost 15,000 in a month. You add everybody in and injured and missing and that sort of stuff, it's 40,000 Russian soldiers that are not on the battlefield anymore, 10% of their equipment, and that ship on fire today with the black smoke pouring into the sky. If if Putin is getting all this information, what is he going to do? It seems certain that something has to change in a significant way. Unless he's getting word from his commanders, they're lying upward like happens in communist society, saying, oh, yeah, we're wearing them down. We're making progress. Let's just hang in doing what we're doing, which seems unlikely given the losses. But so, yeah, there's got to be a significant change in what they are doing. Um, And is that change a positive one? We won. We're going home now. Congratulations, Russia. The fatherland has won a glorious victory. Blah, blah, blah. Just lie to the people and bring the troops out. Or is the change, you know, technical nukes or chemical weapons or declaring war on NATO just to prevent the overthrow of the regime at home? Yeah, and our uh, our intelligence is saying that it's a real possibility. They've They've got reason. They haven't told us what it is, but they've reason to believe that Putin is considering using chemical weapons. So, yeah, they, they got to figure out that red line. I don't know. Well, it was that whole uh, canard about the uh, the American bio labs. That's uh, kind of Putin's uh, modus operandi. He just lays the groundwork that, oh, hey, the Americans, they got the dangerous chemicals, chemical weapons. Yeah, the Americans are going to use chemical weapons. Then all of a sudden there's chemical weapons on the battlefield. I mean, that's not that clever. Who do you bring in if you're these NATO leaders to try to figure this out? You need psychologists. You need meteorologists. And nuclear experts, what's the Mm. likelihood if he uses a tactical nuke here and the wind is blowing that that stuff ends up in Poland? And is that not an attack on one that's responded to by all? If Mm. nuclear radiation blows into Poland? Yikes. So you got to have like a psychologist, a meteorologist, weapons experts. I think Dr. Phil is clearly your go-to psychologist. Maybe it's just my uh, emotions and everything like this. I feel like, I, I sometimes feel like this story is crested or, you know, the worst of it's over. There's no reason to think that. No. There, no reason at all. This this prelim that we've all lived through paying attention to might be completely lost to history because the real S is about to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. The stuff that yeah. people will be talking about for a thousand years is going to happen, you know, this afternoon or tomorrow or next week. This other stuff is, you know, just same old, same old war been going on forever. 
Well, it's impossible to ignore the fact that the word new is most of the word news. And so uh, it's kind of settled into a status quo at this point, and so it doesn't seem as new Z. Uh, whereas the next twist in the road could be, you know, like you say, the real story 100 years from now. Who knows? I will say, because I mentioned this earlier, this is my favorite story of the day. The, 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 it's tragic, but it's still a great story. Russian soldier reportedly runs over his commander with a tank. Hmm. Tanks for nothing is the headline in the New York Post today. Hmm. <laughs> Listen to this. A Russian soldier drove over his colonel with a tank while two other service members were caught venting about Putin's bull-s invasion of Ukraine. This particular soldier was behind the wheel of the tank, blamed the commander of the group for the deaths of his friends. He waited for the right moment during battle, and he ran over the commander with a tank as he stood next to him, injuring both of his legs. Where did we get this information? New York Post. I mean, yeah, I know the New York Post, but where did they get the information? I don't know. Who told them? I have no idea. I don't know. It seems a little fog of foggy of war, <laughs> if you will. Uh, I hope it's true. I would be shocked if it's not true. Based if on I'm a Russian colonel, I I, uh, I put in a suggestion box so people can vent a little bit. A complaint box, if you will. Do one of those meetings where you have the flip chart and you let people say things and you write it down on a flip chart like you're really taking in their complaints. Good one, Sergey. Good point. Thank you. You write it down exactly. So that they don't run over you with a tank. Exactly. That's what you're trying to avoid. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's right. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I decide right now that that I'm a woman, um, then apparently I'm a woman. Does that mean that I would have Article 3 standing to challenge a gender-based restriction? Those kinds of issues are working their way through the courts, and I'm not able to comment on them. Tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm I'm an Hispanic man. Could, Could I decide I was an Asian man? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals. Interesting. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, it's uh, the the KBJ hearings are just an opportunity to air, uh, to to make clear to the American people how bizarre and nuts these critical theory theories are. You end up with uh, big hulking men whooping up on women in the pool, for instance. It has nothing to do with her or the way she's going to rule. It's just an opportunity for Ted Cruz to, A, you know, get some attention and B, drive home the point because there's attention being paid right now. But I, I'm glad he said it that way. It's a great legal question. Uh, yeah, but it's it makes perfect sense that she wouldn't get into it, though, right? In the same, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Because it is going to be that sort of stuff will probably end up before the Supreme Court at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way they answer virtually every question. I can't uh, answer a hypothetical, and I might have to rule on it someday, blah, blah, blah. It's just an exercise they go through. Hey, we've been talking about how there is surely going to be a big change in the Russia attack on Ukraine. That change may have come. We'll feature that next segment. Please stay tuned. How much time have I got, Michael? Two minutes? You say, well, that's just barely enough time to get started. You know what the problem is? I don't shut up the first segment, and then I don't have time to, talk, to yap the second segment. Mm. I need to learn to shut up. 
I liked our plan yesterday that if I talk past a certain point of time, Michael comes in and punches me in the testicles. Yeah, I like that yeah. plan, too. There's there's a lot to like there, well, it's, Michael. There's got to be a harsh punishment, or I won't you know, come around. Well, it's crude but effective. Uh, we'll have to get to this maybe next uh, next hour after we talk about Ukraine. Radical monogamy, because I know Joe's going to really like this sort of thing. Radical monogamy is basically young people can't do things that previous generations did just because it was a good idea, because that would be, you know, too uncool. Because <laughs> the reason previous generations did everything was racism or patriarchy or all kinds of bad things. We have rediscovered what they were already doing in previous generations, and it's new now. This idea that's what better for us is to get into relationships, sexual relationships, with one person and stay monogamous. But we've invented it in a new way. Our grandparents okay. did it for All bad right. reasons. We're doing it for the right reasons. I think, right. You'll, I think you'll like this. Put it in your blog. Or whatever. <laughs> Put it in your TikTok. <laughs> Put it in your TikTok. <laughs> I don't know if Judy and I are radically oh, monogamous. That's funny. But- she just texted and said there's a smell coming out of the attic like something's dead up there. So awesome. i got to deal with that after work. Oh, An man. Aggressive scent. Oh, I hate that. Prior rat. Uh, you got lots of rats somebody? in your home? Not many. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. So Zelensky just spoke to the most important NATO meeting in its history. And what he said is kind of interesting. New report from Richard Engel from over there. All on the way. And Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're told that this would be a quick operation, hours or days, that they would be greeted as liberators, and that this special military operation, as Vladimir Putin calls it, would be a quick and victorious uh, military campaign. Uh, It has proven, however, to be just the opposite. It is becoming a a, a quagmire for for Russia, uh, as Russian troops are actually now being pushed back in some places around Kyiv, according to Ukrainian officials and uh, U.S. military officials. And they say because of the Russian military setbacks here around Kyiv, the focus of the Russian military assault is Uh, increasingly toward the east, closer to the Russian border and closer to the southeast around the city of Mariupol. Man, if there is one truism to the history of warfare is that the quick and easy war almost never is. And once again. So President Zelensky just addressed the NATO leaders who were there in Belgium, including President Biden, and he said, can you give us just 1%, 1% of your planes, 1% of your tanks, 1%. That's all we need. You have thousands of fighter jets, but we have not been given one yet. So once again, he's uh, he's pleading for more stuff. That's its own conversation. But back to the idea of whether or not Ukraine should or could be in NATO, and that doesn't even seem to be on the table now, but Ukraine been trying to get in, is in their constitution to try to get into NATO. And, And NATO has been keeping them out for a number of reasons, whether the the real reasons were the real real reasons or not or not i don't know but um there was a lot of belief that if you if you put ukraine in nato it's just too provocative to putin well look how that's turned out they they weren't in nato and we might end up with the worst war in the planet's history because of it so 
Mm-hmm. That calculation didn't exactly work. And the reasons that were given that Ukraine didn't qualify for NATO is, one, they weren't a functioning democracy. Hello, Turkey is in NATO. And two, that their military wasn't good enough. Jonathan Swan reporting on that. One thing that struck me reporting on Zelensky over the last year was how galling that argument sounds to Ukrainian ears when one considers the mighty Montenegro army has met NATO's magical standard, but Ukraine's, which had been battling Russia since 2014, did not. And Zelensky, speaking to that yesterday, said, and here's the translation, After such a war against Russia, never, please never tell us again that our army does not meet NATO's standards. NATO has yet to show that the alliance, what the, NATO has yet to show what the alliance can do to save people. Wow. Never again say our military does not meet your standards. Yeah, so obviously that was bunk. That was a reason. It was was a provocation thing. NATO thought it would provoke and it's what you've been saying all day long is that the weakness always invites more aggression. We'll provoke him if we put Ukraine in NATO. And so what do you end up with? The worst war in recent memory because you didn't put Ukraine in NATO. Yeah, I'm not sure putting I'm not sure I agree that that it was necessarily a good idea to put Ukraine in NATO. You know, I'd be willing to discuss it because it is right up against the Russian border. So the are thing a bunch I'm, of those other NATO countries. <clears throat> but the thing I'm rejecting is the idea that that's why Putin attacked Ukraine because there were noises being made about uh, NATO. He's been planning this for years and years. He stated it openly that Ukraine's part of Russia and should be and will take it back someday. Just nobody paid attention to him when he made these speeches eight years ago, for instance. Speaking of the performance of the Ukrainian forces, I just came across this, and it's really, really interesting. The role that the uh, the Army, the U.S. Army's Green Berets, has played in tilting the battlefield toward the Ukrainian forces not directly, but they've had a deep impact. Uh, a retired Green Beret Sergeant Major um, was saying Ukraine was taken very seriously by special forces. After Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, the Ukrainian military began an effort to modernize its forces to prepare for further Russian incursions, and the U.S. military stepped in to help with the Army's Green Berets taking on the critical role in training Ukrainian forces. Actually, in that same base in the West that got bombed, you remember that? Um, killing all those people. There's no better. There's nobody better at teaching than Green Berets. These are people that can teach. Um, blah blah blah. Uh, they go where nobody else is. Find out what is possible. Uh, more. This uh, sergeant major said Green Berets are a force multiplier, improving the combat capability of the international forces they work with. He stressed. Uh, no, that's not in- important. Here's the important part. <clears throat> Green Berets are required to learn a foreign language as part of their training and are constantly trained in the political, economic, and cultural complexities of the regions in which they're assigned to operate. This unique skill set allows them to partner with foreign forces for training and at times fight alongside them. Uh, Green Beret members and members of the Army's National Guard have been advising and training Ukrainian forces at that western base. Um, part of the job Green Berets did at Yavoriv, this uh, base, was to train their Ukrainian counterparts to set up militia units that could wage guerrilla warfare against an invading force. The Ukrainian military can now put those lessons to use with the government actively encouraging its citizens to join the fight against Russian forces. Uh, So long story short, they teach them how to wage fast, independent-moving warfare without a top-down command and control, but to be extremely lethal and adaptable. Well, gosh, we're seeing that play out. When this war is over, assuming it doesn't end in nuclear holocaust, 
the the stories that will come out of how much we have helped them and in what ways is going to be really interesting. Because a lot yeah, of it's for, hidden. Yeah, for instance, I had no idea that. You combine the incredible capabilities, uh, training methods, strategies of the American military with the indescribably tough and scrappy Ukrainian people, that's going to be a potent force. I paid $6 a gallon for gas yesterday. Just regular unleaded, too, not the premium stuff. I'm just filling up an F-150. And there was a Joe Biden, I did that sticker next to to the price, (laughs) which is hilarious. But uh, maybe you live in a state where they're waiving the gas tax to try to help you out, which is uh, an interesting idea. I don't know if it's just political or whatnot. But in California, they don't want to do that because that would be unfair or something. So they're sending out little plastic cards with money on them and... The governor is talking about free rides on mass transit. When will you unicorn riders give up on the idea that you're going to convince the 95% of us that never do to start riding mass transit? You think the reason I don't take the bus to work is the cost? That's it. If it, if it right. Yeah, if it were free, I'd I'd go ahead and ride the bus. I'd go ahead and go to a bus stop. So how am I going to get there? I'm not exactly sure. And then I'd wait for the bus, and then I'd sit there with the bus people and ride that on in, and all its stops. That's what I'd do if it if it was just cheaper. <laughs> bus people, you elitist. <laughs> oh, go Sick ahead. Of... You you go ahead and get on the bus today and tell me how elite it is to... Uh... <laughs> well, in, in the most wonderful unicorn riding imaginary future you can conceive of, Maybe you get 10% on public oh, transportation. Oh, yeah, and that's very, very Maybe. optimistic. Yeah. Now you're going to make a mass transit free, so rather than pay the, the gas, I'm going to go ahead and ride. ride. Nobody is. Yeah. Well, that's a laughable. Dreamers. And what, what's weird about that, Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, whoever does always pushes, how often do you ride the freaking bus? How often do you freaking take a subways? In Never. your life, not not even now, in your whole life, how often have you done that? And why didn't you? Because it wasn't Photo con- ops don't count either. Because <laughs> it wasn't convenient and or it was scary. That's why. Well, young people are pretending they've discovered monogamy is a good idea. So if people come around to what is a good idea, you shouldn't mock them for it. No, you, should you just shouldn't. Be, you should just be happy. You're an to- elitist and a mocker. <laughs> I'm all kinds of terrible. We'll tell you about radical monogamy. That's a new thing the kids have discovered. See if you like the idea. Next. Armstrong and Getty. In other news, uh, despite the current state of affairs, Vladimir Putin is still planning to attend the G20 summit with other world leaders in Bali this fall. Which explains this year's theme, awkward. (laughs) Seriously, what is he doing? It's like getting kicked out of high school and then showing up for the reunion. Like, what's up, guys? (laughs) No, you were, no. Yeah, it'll backfire on Putin when he realizes it's not a G20 summit, it's an intervention. He's like, wait a minute, uh, I remember you. 
So, yeah. Well, why wouldn't Putin think this? He invaded other countries. He murdered other children in their hospital beds. And he got invited to the summits. He uh, he slaughtered other families for no good reason whatsoever in a variety of places around the world in the last 22 years. And he still got to host soccer tournaments and shake hands mm-hmm. with presidents of the United States. That's why he thinks that is because he's done it several times. Well, and even if he doesn't actually think that, it's just good uh, propaganda PR saying, absolutely, I'm attending. Why wouldn't I? I'm just liberating the, the Ukrainian people from those Nazis. Why would I be disinvited? What is radical monogamy? Apparently, this is a hot new thing among young people. It's when you have experienced many types of relationships and have decided that what works best for you is to single out one relationship that you stay faithful to. Ah, uh, that's radical. Kind of sounds like monogamy to me. Yeah. Um, regular so kind, regular this, monogamy. This opinion piece I'm reading in the Washington Post is uh, half talking about radical monogamy and teaching that to you, and half mocking's the wrong word. It's actually pretty damned interesting about how every generation, for some reason, has to convince themselves that they invented something that has been around forever. Human nature doesn't change. Human beings are exactly the same as they've been for thousands of years. But every generation has to somehow convince themselves that they, they've they studied everything and, and this is what they've decided is the best. Right. Unlike those stupid, stupid older people. Exactly. The old monogamy of our parents and grandparents didn't work, said one of the people that's pushing radical monogamy. The old kind, which was driven by... Um, religious beliefs and patriarchy um, was stifling and blah, 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 blah. But, but ours is more of a commitment to each other in which we will not have sex with other people. And Okay, it's exactly the same thing. Well, you're making me want to vomit with this. Well, I'll read a little from this uh, this piece, which is pretty good. Every generation believes itself to be breaking new ground. But millennials and Generation Z in particular seem wedded to the idea that the normal way of doing things is almost always oppressive and must either be reclaimed or disavowed, especially in the sexual realm. Anything that could be viewed as traditional or average is passe. As was written in Substack, his students, this uh, this lecturer, said his students have a bias so strong that I wonder if it's hardwired to believe that complexity itself is new. In the past, people were just drones who acted on the tenets of religion or society, of the way things were, and they just went along with the flow. Whereas now, people think about what they do and come to a complex decision. Wow, that's really good. It really is. It's It's pretty fascinating, actually, if you think about it. And this kind of bias is extraordinarily common. The inability to recognize that the past was a real place where real people made choices based on a whole bunch of different reasons, just as new generations do, weighing their options and coming to conclusions about what worked best for them and occasionally surfacing ideas that then stood the test of time. No, people in the past were never conflicted or confused or had competing interests or or, were weak and and betrayed their principles. No, they're drones. So for generations coming of age today, the optimal identity is a novel one. Through this lens, unprotected sex uh, is just a disgusting idea. If you need an emotional bond to want sex with someone, it sounds more inscrutable and less tolerable if you call yourself demisexual. That's the term right. for people that I only have sex with people that I have feelings for. Wow, what an invention. I'm glad you came up with that new complicated term. What an interesting <laughs> idea. No humans had ever decided that that might be a good idea. 
And monogamy, the most old-fashioned arrangement of all in human history, maybe, must be smuggled into acceptability via the label radical. Yeah. Wow. Fine. If you get to the right conclusion for weird reasons, it's still a win for society. It seems pretty clear from lots of different articles I've read about this sort of stuff that that young people are coming around to the idea that, you know, uh, promiscuity, you know, the, the, the porn lifestyle, the hookup culture, all that sort of stuff is not working. Uh, it's not making people happier. It's not working on a variety of levels. And we're going back to for, for different reasons, because we've come to this conclusion on our own complex our own complex way, not because the church told us to or our parents told us to, but we've decided that getting together with only people that we have feelings for and sticking with one is the best idea. Well, congratulations. I think that conceit is as old as time, too, though. I mean, didn't we all think that the older generations were kind of simpletons who were just locked into their ways because that's the way they've always done it? And of course, it's, you know, the conceit of youth. It is. It's interesting, though. I'd never heard it put that way before. That the new young generation feels like it's you know everything's so complex. In the previous generations, it was just very simple, drone-like, following the rules behavior. Not, you know, if you go back a thousand years, those rules were not from uh, generations of experience that this works and that doesn't. No, 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 no. Lack of imagination. Lack of imagination. <laughs> Yeah, so the kids are conceited, they're self-delusional, but they look a lot better naked. So, you know, youth has its advantages. <laughs> it's, it's pretty damned interesting. So radical monogamy or demisexuality, if you want to call it that, is, the, is a hot no, thing. <laughs> I just call it not cheating on my woman, like I always have. But it's not, but not because... It's immoral, or the church told you to, or that's what society expects of you. No, because my life is going to be better that way. Well, right, and I choose not to hurt somebody I care a great deal about. Right, my life will be better not hurting the people I care about. Well, right, and theirs too. (laughs) And theirs, yes. That's kind of the definition of caring about somebody. (laughs) But not because society would frown upon it. Right. It's it's, it's right. interesting. As I read uh, the, the the wisdom books in the Bible, which includes uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, um, you know, all, all, all that stuff in there is like the same as this stuff. It's, it's the same things from thousands of years ago. That's Old Testament stuff. So that's many thousands of years ago. You know, if you if you if you if you live your life like this, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't lie, blah blah. All these, you you work hard, your life will tend to be out turn out better. Not always, but most of the time, your life will turn out to be better. These things have been known forever. Right now, you might have an angry employee run you over with a tank. That's a rough day, like that uh, Russian commander. Um, but yeah, in general, of course, you know one one interesting aspect of uh, Robbie Robertson's. Um, autobiography he was the leader of the band uh he was talking about how in and he grew up in canada but everybody got married like straight out of high school or in high school 17 18 19 years old 20 if you're an old maid right and uh and he was writing about how everybody was sleeping around by the time they were 24 
Interesting. You know, because they'd gotten into these permanent relationships as children and often weren't happy and were sleeping around and that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm not saying some positive change isn't possible. I think there's something to be said for waiting a little while and making absolutely sure you want to be married to this person. But let me let me speak to the whole everybody was doing this, everybody was doing that. I've become aware through uh, I can't be detailed about how I know this, but I do know this from uh, from a, a, a circumstances I've been in. It's very common. Everybody was doing this. Everybody was doing that. Everybody that was your circle. You might have hung out with a specific circle mm. that convinced you that everybody was doing that, but everybody was not doing that. Absolutely valid point. In fact, the vast majority of people were not doing that, but you and all your friends were doing that, so that was your world. Um, you know, you have to look out for that. Yeah, sure. That happens sure. a lot. At the time, he was not uh, married. He was he was a kid observing it, but uh, yeah, you're right. Sure, it could have been his particular subculture in his neighborhood. So uh, if you hear radical monogamy, that's what it is. Yeah, it's the yeah. same monogamy as before, but it's, uh, they snuck it in with the word radical uh, to get you to click. <laughs> makes ma- makes you feel like he came up with something new. You put the word yeah. radical in front of it. Sure, sure. So getting back to the Ukraine clip we played, uh, almost half an hour ago, it was Richard Engel's report, that, uh, and, and it was a very subtle report, and I think we may have undersold it. It appears the Russian efforts are much more concentrated now close to Russia, and in the south, too. They have clearly decided they are overextended and cannot sweep across Ukraine and are, in fact, in effect, pulling back. That's the way I interpreted that. Yeah. That's I wonder something. to what extent. We'll know within a few days, I guess. And what are they going to come out of that NATO meeting and say or not say today? Who knows? If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.